0: From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the Internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 747, From Documents to Lists, with guest Lisa Rasmussen. Recorded Thursday, October 15th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit SoundThoughtsLLC.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Lisa Rasmussen, who is a Microsoft 365 and SharePoint consultant in Stockholm, Sweden. She's worked at SharePoint for more than 15 years, back in the bad old days, and of course recently with Microsoft 365, and she runs the blog SharePointBabe.com and the podcast WitGirlsPodcast.com, that's W-I-T-GirlsPodcast.com. Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thank you, Richard, and thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Two podcasters talking, this is going to be a ton of fun, right? We got we got no <laughs> worries at all. Uh, thanks so Absolutely. much for coming on. The the uh, You've been in SharePoint since, I guess, the beginning of SharePoint then.
1: It feels like it, yeah, because uh, when I encountered SharePoint for the first time in 2003, I went to a training here in Stockholm, mm-hmm. and uh, we were three people in that classroom. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, you, yeah. the next time I went to a training was for 2007, and then a room was packed with people. Yeah. So a lot of things happened between those two versions.
0: They, they'd all caught on. And it's... And SharePoint's taken such tremendous twists and turns too. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, for a long time, I thought it was a product. Didn't know what it wanted to be. You know, are you are you a web portal? Are you a document management system? Like, what the heck are you?
1: I know. Try explaining SharePoint in just like a pitch. You know, yeah. in a few words, it's almost impossible. So yeah, it's a huge platform.
0: And yet, also a viral product. Like the the amount of times I've worked with IT people. Who back in the old days anyway were hunting down SharePoint instances hidden in the organization running on a machine yeah. under a desk somewhere? Like, is they yeah. clearly the people like them,
1: yeah? They do, and I mean, now SharePoint is more great than ever. I must say,
0: I do think the clouds made a huge difference for it that because the biggest problem with SharePoint was the management, configuration, maintenance, governance. In some ways, SharePoint online just takes a lot of that pain away, it
1: does, but you know. I kind of like that stuff. I mean, I'm from the IT pro right. side. Right, <laughs> this is
0: your job. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was my job, and I really enjoyed it. You know, all these uh, installations and upgrades, migrations, and then the troubleshooting of, you know, remember that UPS mm-hmm. that everyone's had that nightmare? Yeah. And search and so on. And that's the one of the reasons, actually, I started my blog was because I ran into some problems that I felt, hmm, I... I I want to document this. So I remember this the next time, but right. I also want to share this with someone else that runs into the same problem. And
0: that is the Scott Hansman rule of blogs, right? That's where you write yeah. down everything you need to remember. Is yep. uh, is is on your blog site?
1: So sometimes when I Google problems, I end up on my own blog. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did have this problem before. What was the solution? Because clearly, I don't remember. <laughs>
1: I, I I often don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, It's
0: very it's very true. And I, you know, fell yeah. out of the blogging practice years ago. But I, you know, it's podcasting for me is where I get get all, get all the thoughts out. For better or worse.
1: Yeah, and I must say, I was very happy and flattered when you asked me to be on your podcast Aww. because I saw the lineup of guests. Oh wow, that was all the rock stars of this
0: community. Well, it's also been a long time, right? Because yeah, it, I
1: saw that. Yeah. Wow, T- 2007.
0: <laughs> yeah, because starting a podcast right after uh, on IT right after Vista Ship seemed like a good idea. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I mean, um, you've had most of the rock stars and I have some of your guests on my show mm-hmm. also. So uh, yeah, they're brilliant people. They- so I was very like humble when I saw that.
0: <laughs> but then, Of course, the fun part for me after this long is that some of those folks that I interviewed weren't rock stars when I interviewed them too, right? Like I, <laughs> I think about the first time I interviewed a guy like Corey Sanders. He, I think he was a director at Microsoft at that. He's a VP today. But that back in the day, you know, he was he was the beginning of that rocket ship ride that he's on. So, Uh, yeah. And even Jeff Snover. I mean, I think the first time we interviewed him was when PowerShell was still Monad. Like it didn't have its name yet. It was just an idea. And so I almost think the story arc of PowerShell lives inside of Run-As now.
1: Yeah. From The
0: first sort of thoughts of is this a good idea to the well, you can't run your business without this. Yeah, you, you can't. Know, so that's cool. There. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it?
1: So you follow the evol- evolution of PowerShell <laughs> through your.
0: Yeah, it's a byproduct of, of 13 years of showmaking, I guess. And that's, yeah. That's way things go.
1: And a lot of products, I guess, also, Richard. Not only that.
0: <laughs> well, and stuff that came and went, too. Like, I always liked network <laughs> access protection, but nobody else did, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And also, you know, remember those stuff, like. InfoPath and stuff like that—that that was quite widely used.
0: Now, now you're just making me sad, Lisa. <laughs> InfoPath <laughs> was great; it really was. I mean, I know, and I've talked to folks that built a huge amount of the company workflow on InfoPath, and mm-hmm. uh I know. you know, it's tough to leave those to have those things pushed aside. Well, now it's—it's it's all included in cloud. It's Microsoft Forms, right? Is that would you consider Microsoft Forms like no. the the no, not no. even close. Oh, oh. <laughs>
1: i no, I no, hit, no, hit a button there.
0: Angry spot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, forms for me is uh, questionnaires and quizzes and surveys. When, but uh, Power Apps is more yeah. the takeover from InfoPath. So the, that, where you can.
0: You're talking about that level of sophistication of just the ability to really build a workflow with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, Microsoft Forms is not up for that. It's it's sort of shallow in comparison.
1: Yeah, it is. I just worry that the whole power
0: <laughs> stack. They've thrown too many things into it. It's it's become like artificial intelligence. It's kind of just a banner over everything. You're like, what is it exactly? There's a bunch of known things under there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Flow was a product long before they started. They stuck the power moniker onto it. Now it's you're just trying to sort out like what is what pieces do I need to use? Do these things all work together? Because they don't yet. No.
1: And they are quite uh, complex these systems. I mm-hmm. mean flow or automate, power automate. That's not something that you just put anyone into no. a flow immediately. So yeah, it uh, it's
0: And 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 I have certainly had done shows that really great two distinct er- avenues on there. Like automate for IT folks makes a lot of sense, but then automate yeah. for productivity is another thing entirely. Also valuable, but very different from each other.
1: Totally. Absolutely agree on that. And I think the same, you know, with uh, power apps, really, that uh, I build a lot of power apps these days, or Mm -hmm. a lot. I build power apps these days. And um, uh, it's a challenge, it takes a few days before you get into, you know, the syntax and all that. Right. Uh, once you learn that in you know, the variables and you can use collections and, and so on, then you really understand the power of it. But I'm always worried when I build an app and I'm supposed to leave it with a customer. Right. Are they going to be able to like governance it and developing it to continue developing it? Or will that be my baby forever? <laughs> they will like call me.
0: Yeah, it's just going to stay there statically. And goodness knows how many of those we've spawned over the years where the business continues to function on a piece of software that essentially has no maintenance done to it.
1: Exactly. It looks the same when you come back. It's like, right.
0: Just as it always (laughs) was.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. So I tend to put all... Like, you know, parameters and stuff, I, mm-hmm. I put them in SharePoint lists uh, so that they can easily go in and change at least some of the, you know, if you have like a checklist or anything, they can alter the questions themselves. So right. they don't have to open up the app to do stuff like that.
0: So you don't scare them with the code, but they have some sense of maintainability and tunability. It's interesting, that whole model that SharePoint created before the cloud, like to me, who... Although I always valued SharePoint, I never got pulled into that, but the folks that I've talked to on this show and others that that became their whole career like they had a dozen or so customers and they were maintaining custom SharePoint apps for them and like that that was the business they were paid very well, you know it was a nice little niche for them, but they couldn't take a vacation like those companies depended on that software like they and yeah. and, and let's face it, SharePoint was a little brittle back then like you could do mm-hmm. amazing things, but could you do amazing things every day?
1: No, and that is part of the problem. I think. Yeah, I mean, I love Microsoft's philosophy that we should have should have a uh, citizen developers, but I think it's hard to to find those people in an organization that mm-hmm. one. They have time to do this and work with this. They might not be within their work role. And also, often it ends up in the IT department. And as we know, they are always full with work anyway. So it's hard to, like, uh, pass over these type of uh, apps. And that's, as you say, you get stuck. uh, Even if you're on vacation, you you get an urgent call about something. You need to, like, deal with it.
0: I mean, that being said, in terms of citizen developers when they emerged in past times, you'd always had another job, but you got smitten with solving the problem of your job with technology. And that eventually became your job. You know, I used to spin it as, and then you ruined your career by showing competence in technology. You know, you used to be a perfectly legitimate chemical engineer. Now you don't do that anymore. You write software around chemical engineering, but, exactly. but and I think that same thing is happening again because these tools are getting that good. Right. That that mm. you are seeing folks who are actually trying to achieve their job using some of these automation tools and getting good results. And bit by bit, their job then transforms into it.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: Like it's, it's sort of the unintentional programmer. I was just trying to improve business workflow. And personally, I like I like that mindset. I think we fight as I.T. people to keep that business mindset in of make sure I'm providing value to the organization. So because we are we are in love with technology. We do think it's fun yep. anyway. But generally, mm-hmm. these citizens folks, they're trying to solve business problem first. Yeah. And and that's kind of a good way to come about it. And so they're a little less worried about ideals and so forth, which is why we get into that governance problem, maintainability problem, because those aren't motivators. Business value is always the motivator.
1: That's true. That's true. And, you know, we all have those uh, heavy Excel users in the company, oh, yeah. you know, that have these huge formulas. Yeah, the, and, and the, and the greatest
0: experts. macros known to man and... And, they, and they're still <laughs> writing code in VBA under the hood that we can't—that is unsupervised well, and unmanaged. Yeah, Excel.
1: But I love those kind of people. They are my type of people.
0: <laughs> but and it, in some ways, it felt like SharePoint was the intersection point for a lot of that stuff for the folks who were trying to automate work for the super Excel user because everything kind of coalesced into that point too.
1: Yeah, and um, I think the step from. When you choose to have your Excel list move into lists in SharePoint Mm -hmm. instead, uh, the thing that makes that is that you don't have two advanced formulas, you know, in your Excel files, because then you, I think they need to stay in Excel or maybe you should build a power App of them or something. Right. But uh, SharePoint lists can't handle that uh, complex of types, you know, uh,
0: and you and you Formula. talk about that like it's a good thing too, which I think is true, right? It's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> you can only get into so much trouble here. Now, hasn't SharePoint always been about lists? Like, is that nothing yeah. new? Yeah. In the end, it was a, a list manager in, in a lot of respects.
1: Yeah. I mean, Lists has always been with SharePoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always uh, liked Lists because you can do powerful stuff with it. Um, But they have always looked very boring. So I'm so happy now when list has this new, beautiful look to them. And you can have them in a full screen. And you can have easily format the columns with data bars and conditional formatting and so on. So I think they are making huge improvements to Lists. And it's very fun to work with this. Product so today. this is
0: SharePoint Online, so part of Microsoft 365, and they've just expanded the feature set of, uh, of lists?
1: Yes, it's a totally new app. Oh, lists, is Microsoft it actually is.
0: Of kind of broken out? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, under the hood, it's still SharePoint, actually?
1: Yeah, I mean, it works like this. It's its own app. So you have like a new own homepage for lists where you can create a list just as usual. But then you can choose to either store it on your uh, OneDrive or you store it on a SharePoint site. So you have your own personal uh, lists that you can share with anyone. And then you can create lists that also stored. On SharePoint. So they look the same, but they have broken out this app into its own app. And I like that because you get this nice new homepage where you roll up all your list apps that you have built, and you can easily share them and customize them. And uh, you can also, of course, then map them into Teams. So you can click on a tab in Teams and add your own list directly from, you know, uh, one of these uh, apps that you can connect into Teams.
0: I, I kind of think that someone who hasn't used SharePoint much is trying to figure out why we're excited about lists. Like, w- what is the business use here? What does this thing pick up for us and make good?
1: Exactly. So, lists it does not store documents. Lists store uh, data. So, uh, uh, that's something, like I said, has been part of SharePoint forever, so mm-hmm. the concept concept of list is not new. Uh, But lists are best used for storing data Hmm. uh, and not so much for documents. So, for example, like I said, if you have an Excel file that you might have some sort of register, uh, you know, like a vacation list or these types of Simpler forms of registers, then you can easily transform those into a list, and the power of that is that you can visualize the data more easy. I mean, you, you go visit your your site, and you have a list on the site, and everyone can edit inside that list, uh, and they uh, you can see who has edit what, and you can also have version history on those items, something you can't have in Excel, right? right. If you overwrite a lot. Li- well, not row, easily,
0: right? I can do document revision rules of but course, it's yeah. hard to have multiple people edit it it's still hard in excel to do that like yeah. I, I get what you're getting at which is it's probably also more indexable too that if once it's in, a, yeah. in in this azure list or office 365 list it's easier to search everybody can edit it at the same time every edit is automatically tracked like all stuff that yeah. you're trying to make excel do this thing just does natively
1: exactly and then the power of, you know, web parts, you can expose parts of it in a web part on a page. You can build
0: views where
1: you can like filter ready views for the users. So hmm. if you want to look at maybe only the items for this year, you build a view for current year. Right. So you can make more um, dynamic, use it more dynamically than you have in a static Excel file.
0: And I'm sort of smitten now with the, with the vacation thing that but what you got there is almost that sort of sense of global schedule that folks are trying to say when when they can they have a vacation when they want to have a vacation so forth so you could also put in sort of blocked out weeks of this is when we're doing this special campaign and everyone needs to be here things like that like you could see how that would build up and then you you, immediately when you buy that view it's like now format that like it's a calendar show me a month you know And that's
1: coming, that's that brand new, brilliant looking calendar view that Microsoft will uh, add um, into the new lists format so that it's a ready built format. You know, when you have a list and you can select a view, you can select all items and you can select a compact list Mm -hmm. or you can look at your list in kind of tiles, there will be added one other that's uh, formatted as a calendar. Right. So... And this is the beauty of it, because then you have, let's say you have your vacation list. Then you can look at your list in a in a date uh, like a calendar view. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you would like to put on Power Automate to maybe send some, you know, people can request for vacation, and right. you send like a approval to the to the manager. It's so easy to set up these things. So immediately you have you have transferred your list into something more dynamic, something more powerful, like a tool instead of just having it in an Excel file.
0: That's awesome. And I'm going to interrupt for one moment, Lisa, for this very important message. This episode of Run As is brought to you by the new virtual dev intersection and SQL intersection workshop event. If you've ever listened to the SQL Q and a shows on Run As, you've heard the fun knowledge and experience of some of the workshop leaders at SQL intersection. And for the first time ever, The event is going virtual December 9th and 10th. Go to virtual.devintersection.com to register and check out the amazing lineup of workshops. And there will be great keynotes from Scott Guthrie and Charles Manana and the workshops cover topics including Azure, .NET development, as well as SQL Server-related materials. Spend a few hours and go deep on important topics at virtual.devintersection.com. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell. This is Run As Radio, and I'm talking to Lisa Rasmussen over in Stockholm, a bit about the new Office 365 list. I guess it's Microsoft 365 now. We went down the path of the vacation thing, and um, of course, the other side of this is, hey, don't we already have Exchange doing this in in shared calendars? Like, there's specialized tools for a lot of these sorts of things. Like, I, I yes, it is. Oh, I wonder why we—why are we reinventing this? Why is this better?
1: <laughs> because I always get that question. That's a simple reason. And maybe they have, like you know, a, a department page mm-hmm. uh, on an internet. They only want to add and view the occasions for these people, right? And and they want to expose it to everyone. So otherwise you need to do that overlay functionality in Outlook and you may not have access to everyone's uh, calendar. Right. So having a, a common uh, calendar, you can easily connect that one into Outlook if you want and you can look at that common calendar, but it's easier to like expose the data. And that's also one of the things I like with the lists. Uh, the concept of list that you can easily expose data, you can add links to a filtered view. Mm-hmm. You can do so much more powerful stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, this is, seems like a very bottom-up approach. Start with just a list and then build views over top of it, as opposed to the top-down of something like Exchange Online, where calendar is such a hard, fixed concept, and you're trying to yeah. expand it to give that same sort of flexibility to it. Mm-hmm.
1: And some other, I think, big usage area is, for instance, if you want to have like projects, uh, information or financial data and so on. And now I must say with these uh, conditional formatting options you Mm -hmm. have for the columns where you can like visualize with colors very easy. You just format the column and you can add your own conditional rules and just say, if a rule is like status is new, then you can say this column should be green. Right. If status is in progress, you can have a yellow and so on. And these things, I must say, was very hard to build before. We had to do that with HTML
0: code. Right, right. In SharePoint. You and
1: mean. Yeah, in yeah. SharePoint.
0: Exactly. So Color coding.
1: Because um, yeah. again,
0: you'd say, well, we could go down the Microsoft Project path. But I don't know that anybody wants to do that today. Like, no, it's
1: I, too I, complex.
0: I haven't really seen projects show up in a big way in Microsoft 365, for that matter.
1: I did see it, and I tried to click it, but I didn't have access, or I didn't have a license enough, so right. I couldn't open it. But uh, I think that's the problem, Richard. Is like it's too expensive for people to use such a uh, such a product for these kind of simpler things.
0: Right, and it's too big of a commit up front. It's like I think you gradually get into project management. And it feels to me like. Every project management problem starts with a list anyway, and then you just start adding sophistication to it over time. So the funny part is I can see each of us as an organization end up building somewhat of a project management tool out of these Microsoft 365 (laughs) lists. Like maybe there'll be widgets and things at some point to make this a little easier, but I totally get how we get there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, me working from... I mean, uh, working with SharePoint for s- such a long time and mm-hmm. uh, working, obviously, on-prem, then we were used to have task lists. And they were, f- I mean, being simple, but yet powerful. Yeah. Uh, so simple tools can can help you visualize how are we in the project. Uh, we can have timelines and so on. So you could do quite much with those task lists also. Now we have planner and we have to do and we have activities or how many more things do we have (laughs) to do
0: but and to me you know as the sort of old it guy when i see that fragmentation of a whole lot of tools that all could do parts of this it's like so none of them are good right because that's why we keep making more is we're always frustrated with them it's like why are there so many contact management systems because every one of them has problems in some respects, and <laughs> so they like just make another something. one. And so this basic concept of tasks that need to be assigned to people and get done in an order and kept track of, this is a harder problem than we ever admit to.
1: Exactly. And I mean, it's like you say, they always lack
0: some functionality. Something.
1: And that's why, hmm, maybe I should look at some other tool. But now I think we have a lot of mix with, uh, with the to-dos and uh, that's coming now into teams. They, they announced that they Ignite. Yeah. There will be a lot more apps that are quite similar. So you just need to make up your mind. We're going to use Planner or we're going to use like to-do or tasks. <sighs>
0: Because isn't Tasks and Planner <sighs> yeah. like the same thing? Like when you when I go to Microsoft Planner, it's task.office365.com or office.com, right? <laughs> I don't like, know. Which is which? They, yeah,
1: no, but it will be renamed. So Planner will be uh, like new tasks or to do. So it, this is an interim name now. They uh-huh. they're gonna leave it with Planner, but it's gonna be called to do, I think.
0: Okay. Later on. Because yeah, I mean. We're only talking about stuff in, in, in Microsoft 365 because you, now you go look at yeah. the third-party tool stack. Like, there's a lot of stuff in this space. hmm Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you have a preference between any of these?
1: Yeah, uh, you mean the tasks? Yeah,
0: tasks over planner over – well, I think – I'm still not convinced that plas- tasks and planner aren't the same thing. But to-do versus planner.
1: Yeah. I try to use that to-do app, but um... – you know what I do? I, I use OneNote a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you, you and me both, right? Note. I live in OneNote, so.
1: Because if I must remember something, I don't go in in my to do. Yeah. I, I put the things into my OneNote. I have quite a few notebooks and I have many sections and many pages, but they are organized. Mm-hmm. So, I know exactly where to find, and then I just put uh, like a new section to do
0: Mm -hmm. in there. (laughs) Nice.
1: So I have have my own version
0: of to do. Well, and I think Uh, you hit on the most salient point, which is where do you look? What do you check first? You know, how, how are you subconsciously organized? And it's where ultimately, where do you keep your notes? Like, I don't really care if you write stuff in Notepad as long as you look at it, right? I've always been exactly. amazed by folks who take who keep paper notebooks. Not yeah. not that I'm surprised that they write in them. I always ask them, when do you read them? Because <laughs> if you're it's fine that you're writing stuff down, when do you read it? <laughs> I don't know. And and how do you collate it? Because it's on paper. I mean I dig the battery life of paper, but yeah. you know, when do you actually look at it? And for me, it's still Outlook. For better or worse, the first thing I look Mm. at, the last thing I look at before I go to bed, first thing I look at again in the morning, it's Outlook, Calendar. Same here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I'm moving more and more uh, out of Outlook, actually, and and try not to disturb people with email. I yeah. try to either I send them a chat message for Teams or, yeah, you know, some other, maybe some Yammer or something, but not uh, not through email unless it's important or something that we need to.
0: Yeah, I think I, I spend my time on Outlook for the calendar, not the email you know, yeah. which is, and the, exactly. te- and of course the teams button, it's, you know, you're you, all my, my half your calendar items now are teams, especially during the yeah. pandemic. It's just like, that's where you, you connect to people essentially, or make that, make the plan for the next thing you're going to do. So it's, yeah. it is interesting just to think through the workflow of at what point do I have folks who look at the lists or the to-dos or the planner first over the, the calendar, or the email,
1: yeah, I can say I I do like the planner because uh, we ha- I'm a member of many tenants, many customer tenants. Mm-hmm. I think I'm in up to eight uh, eight of them. So I have different activities uh, with these customers, of course, and then I tend to add uh, a planner tab and put up some uh, you know uh, buckets and you know categorize them with intranet, mega menu, design, you know stuff that i need to do within the project right. and then i line up the activities beneath each bucket and assign that to different people mostly go to myself right but, <laughs> but sometimes i need to
0: interrupt. no it's not a bad thing to build a list that you put to yourself that you also mark your items down i mean it does help you keep organized and you, you've got the it standard does. consultants problem which is you are in many tenants yeah Right. oh many Sometimes
1: tenants. my phone goes crazy it's like you know, all the notifications. Oh, yeah. I had to actually go in and mute some of the channels yeah, that I, I thought these aren't that important. I can mute those and just look at the activity button instead. Yeah.
0: yeah, I turn most of the noises off. I can't abide it. And I don't know that most people deal with the tenancy problems that consultants do, that that, that this multi-identity thing is still really a, yeah. hard. And, it, and it's interesting to me that it, it's important to have that you, you focus on tools that handle multiple tenants well. Yeah. Right.
1: I must say something uh, that I discovered. The mobile phone, of course, has been uh, excellent with using a lot of organizations' tenants in Teams because right. the Teams app can handle that on a mobile phone. But it's a problem on my desktop, on my computer. But, um, uh, just one week ago, or something. I just recently discovered this. Uh, I always have my desktop Teams app running mm-hmm. because I have my uh, my company, my consultancy company where I work. Yeah. that's always active there. And then in, I have like eight profiles in my Chrome browser, so I have like eight different logins to different um, to different tenants. Then and right. Teams, and then run the Teams web app. If I am called to a meeting from a customer and I open that um, meeting invitation from the email calendar in uh, the web browser and I click the link and you know, you want to trigger to open teams, right. the desktop app, then it just boom, switch me to that tenant. I didn't have to log in or anything. Wow. It just, yep. Yeah. So I was like, what? Because when before I always logged out and then logged like that, in without yeah. other customers. No, and I, yeah. you know,
0: you need a password. I use a password manager for all those different identities and things. But I, me too. I, you can see that Microsoft's clearly working on the identity problem, and we've got a little time shifting here because we're recording in October for publication to December. But you notice the recent outages too have all been identity related. Like yeah. I, I do think they're working on this problem, and we are starting to see a little more smarts like it is switching tenants automatically you know yeah. it's persisting identity multiple identities a little better like I, I don't want to jinx it like knock on some wood somewhere but you know <laughs> exactly. could we actually be making progress because i felt like this is an exception case most people have maybe two tenants right they have a personal account and they have a company account it's only weirdos like us that end up with, you know, six, eight, <laughs> ten tenants. It's like, help save me. I don't know who I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. And our customers, luckily, they mostly just have one tenant. They yeah. don't
0: have to worry so much about this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, to even Microsoft people, I mean, they have their Microsoft identity, and they often do have their own M365 for home with their family stuff. I it. have and so that too. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. skipping between those two. So, I, I mean, at least the yeah. concept of multi-tenancy is not foreign. Because, you know, in technology, it's either one or lots. You know? Yeah, exactly. uh, And it looks like they're getting better at the lots.
1: Yeah. I, I had my tenant since, uh, I think I bought it in 2015. And I'm, I'm so happy for that. Because when I'm out demoing stuff, or meet a new customer, if mm-hmm. I'm going to build a new internet, I have set up my whole total environment in that. Uh, you know, I built a nice-looking internet site so I can give them some ideas on what they can do and I try to add out as many web parts as I can.
0: So you use your you use your personal uh, yep. accounts as your demo site. Here, you can yep. do this, right? Like yep. That's that's a great yep. idea.
1: And I can invite them in mm-hmm. if I want. I can invite them into my teams. We can have like, you know, I I really like that. And since it's a proper, real tenant uh, and I'm in target release, I also get some of the goodies quite, star- right. quite fast. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. I know what's coming and that's the new thing with us, right? It's not like years between versions. It's like weeks before, between things oh, happens. Yeah. In-
0: I mean, don't I get an email all, almost every day telling me about something changed in M365? Like it's kind of nuts, yep. really. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, there are no version numbers anymore. That doesn't mean anything. No, no. Wow, Lisa, this has really been a fun conversation and it feels to me like the real kind of call to action is. Don't worry about those fancy tools. Don't the high end stuff that you might be involved in. If you're trying to solve a workflow problem, start with lists. Because they the, the new capabilities here, you could put a little automate in, be able to tie it to different accounts, and 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 sort of solve your problem yourself.
1: Absolutely, and that's a that's a brilliant take. And I mean, they are serving us with a set of templates also. So mm-hmm. if you want to get started, feeling what is list and how can I use it, uh, I would certainly recommend to go into Microsoft Lists. Uh, look on that homepage. Click on and create a new list and you will see these fancy templates. And you can just uh, get a preview of them, what they are doing, like an issue tracker. You can have checklists and all this stuff. And it will help you get started to see, hmm, how can I use this in my organization? So uh, Microsoft are brilliant at that. They like uh, bringing us those templates that helps us get started. And uh, also you can, of course, import an Excel file and it is that guide that they have built is brilliant it will help you how to add your excel rows and columns into sharepoint columns Hmm. it will help you tell how should the format be on each column and then you can see like a preview how would this table look like before you even import it and once you have done that you can always change it afterwards like maybe you get like a a field that should be a choice field. You can uh, change that into a choice field after you have imported your Excel file. So you will get a lot of guides and help uh, while doing this uh, transformation of your Excel files into a SharePoint list.
0: Yeah, it strikes me that this is sort of the cloudification of a lot of these document-based workflows you did on-premises.
1: Yeah, and I must say something, Richard. Mm -hmm. I rarely produce documents. I rarely
0: produce
1: yeah I use either lists or I use oneNote for notes or I put things in in chats in teams or whatever. but I rarely do documents
0: <laughs> anymore <laughs> because
1: yeah, yeah, yeah yes, it feels like I, I never know when I need to make a document. Uh, that should be a very specific, uh, maybe when I document something like an app or well, something. It, it also feels but... to
0: me like these models are designed to be living documents, that they're much yeah. easier to contribute to and continue to utilize rather than mm. sort of the final document when you, you think about a Word doc as a report. So, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that from a consultancy perspective, too. It's like, no, I want you to maintain this, to keep adding to this. So I put it in a format that encourages maintenance. And exactly. I think that's that's a great yeah. thing for teams as as a whole that let us yep. make things that are designed for others to maintain. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then once you have a list you can always drop a power up onto it and right. make it look even more fancy. <laughs> and do magic stuff.
0: Yeah, take it up a notch. And I think I kind of like that it's never a dead end, right? If we build with these no. things there are tools that we can build on top of it to do more.
1: Yeah, I do like the power platform and all the all the things that comes with that and all the power that comes with the power platform obviously so (laughs) yeah that's fun to work with it's a great place to get to yeah
0: awesome hey lisa rasmussen thanks so much for coming on the show
1: thank you so much for having me
0: and we'll talk to you next time on run as radio